my very best to get this job that I so crave. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Fan Zone Debate. We got a good match for you today. We got two uh, players who debuted last season that are looking to get uh, a win on the record. Or actually, Jacob, I think, debuted two seasons ago. But get try to get the win on the record. Jacob West, Papa West himself, is 0-2, looking to get that win. Spence debuted last season against Holtzman, who went on to do a lot uh, of good stuff in the season, uh, and uh, is 0-1. They're both trying to get that win on the record. But in their losses, both of these players played really, really well. So both deserve to be here, deserve to get a win. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Brian, you are here to judge this one. Uh, I believe you debated Jacob, actually, in his debut match. Uh, so how are you feeling about this matchup, and uh, what do you think? Um, always fun to come here and help a judge on debates. Um, we've been doing like, uh, we did the whole like title picture leading up to the uh, championship match. So now it's kind of interesting to come back down to this where you got people who, you know, they have lo losing records, but that just makes them hungrier in my opinion. Yeah. And Kirk, uh, current champion here to judge this one. How are you doing Kirk? And what do you think about the matchup? I'm doing all right. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a good match. Uh, Spence and Jacob, two people who have, um, just in day to day, uh, you know, conversation, very interesting, you know, debate or, you know, argue, argumentative styles. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see how those clash. Yeah. That was a good way of uh, putting that <laughs> delicately, Kirk. Uh, so uh, let's get into this. Let's start by talking to Papa West himself. Jacob, welcome back to Fan Zone Debate. Um, was I correct? You played Brian. That is correct. I, I had that right. Uh, uh, yes, I, I played Brian two years ago. Back when I still had a hope of doing good in life. Oh, jeez. Uh, I feel like that was the uh, infamous let's talk about a lot of uh, private parts uh, match, I believe. It was, it was penis leeches, yes. Yeah, so it was brought up on multiple Leech. questions, I believe. Uh, but, Jacob, you're back. You're debating Spence. What do you think about your chances today? Uh, I think my chances, um, I'm, I'm glad I get to be judged by three men who have both been very successful in fans or in life in general. Two <laughs> things I never will be. Um, suspense. Top that. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> let's, let's, let's bring in Spence, uh, Adelaide. Welcome. Uh, you're back for another match. Uh, last time. You had the unfortunate thing of debuting against a guy who went on to make a title run. It just happens sometimes that everyone's got to debut against somebody. But you're back to play Jacob. What do you feel about your chances tonight? Me versus Jacob is an interesting matchup. Because it'll be pessimism versus pessimism. Or maybe nihilism, depending on the day. It'll just be great to just see who like hates everything more. It's fair. All right. Well, we are going to get right into this match. Uh, here's how this is going to work. The players drafted four categories uh, in the worlds of fandom and war zone. And then I gave them some questions based on those categories and they are going to debate them tonight before our very souls. So whoever we think uh, wins, or I'm sorry, you will have a uh, one minute opening, a five minute free form, and then a one minute closing at the end of all that Brian Kirk and I will write, on our handy dandy boards who we think won that point best two out of three votes wins the point and first person to three points wins the match so um if we are all tied up after the four prep questions two to two we will get a bonus question uh should we need it any questions from the competitors as we get into it is there a bonus point somewhere At the, what 
Like, yeah, like perfect round, you get like a bonus point. Oh, shush. <laughs> We're going to kick this thing off with the first question, which is brought to you from the category of musicals. This was drafted by Spence. Uh, the question is, what is the worst theatrically released musical of the 2010s? Uh, so we are going to start with Spence. Since they drafted this, you have one minute to open your argument when you start talking. In the 2010s, Musicals were somewhat revived. A lot of them, they weren't big in the 2000s and the 90s, and they came back in this in the decade in a big way. And a lot of that came with adapting Broadway shows of saying, hey, what if we try to take this limited venue to something more open? And they said, what if we remake one of the most beloved movie musicals of all time as well, Annie, uh, which, fun news, utter dog shit. Not only does it butcher already flawed source material that is entirely uninteresting with maybe one or two good songs in the medley of generally forgettable shit, um, you also create generally hateable characters. Uh, and even Annie isn't saved by this. Most of the characters, you are rooting for them to fail the entire way through the narrative. And beyond that, it utterly doesn't stand what you want from a musical. It throws together songs in a horrible way. The, the sound mixing is terrible. You can't even hear the lyrics, what the characters are saying very well. There is poor dancing. There is poor everything basically going around. It fundamentally doesn't understand what the musical genre is and fails in every way of making that time okay uh let's move over to jacob you have one minute to open your argument when you start talking uh suspense said it perfectly i guess uh that musicals weren't big in the 90s and 2000s but kind of made a resurgence in the 2010s there were a couple stop stumbling blocks in the year uh like in 2014 with movies that shall not be named yet but where they really hit the wall uh, got out of the car and just lied on the ground, bleeding to death, is in 2019 when someone thought it'd be a good idea to take the beloved musical Cats and make it into a film. Uh, 2019's Cats, if you talk about dog shit, this is worse than dog shit, so cat shit. A lot of people hate cats more than dogs. I personally love dogs, um, which is another reason why cats fucking suck. Um, great cast of people who can all sing that do not work well with each other. Taylor Swift, James Corden, Judy Dench, Idris Elba, you know, it had a lot of makings to be great. And it just hit uh, the ground and died. Time. Okay. Cats, Annie. I've seen both of these. Five minute freeform when one of you starts talking. Here's the problem with picking cats. You picked a show that was fundamentally like very honest and true to its source material. Nothing was really cut or changed. It, it, it happens the same way. It is still an assembly of songs and character introductions going up to this big finale where, where everyone sort of competes for one thing. That is exactly what the movie is. Nothing has changed. It still works pretty well. As someone who, here, I, I've seen Cats most, I've seen it three times. It can be a lot of fun when you're watching it. Like the songs themselves, like you, you can get brought into them. The dancing is incredible. Genuinely, we keep that very well. It's a very dance heavy show. And none of the songs are actually bad. They all pretty much work well in how they're adapted. Uh, so, Spence, I love how you bring this up. Uh, fun fact, it is it is worse to, or it is better 
to try something different and fail than to do a cookie cutter remake of something and fail. The The fact that Cats was exactly what the beloved Broadway musical, which, which is one of the most long running musicals of all time, they tried to do the same exact thing and it did not work. Uh, a lot of people talk about, hey, the worst thing about it, they look like actual cats that it just looked weird. Well, they have costumes in the musical, but it never looked weird. It tried exactly what worked for Broadway, put it in a movie, and did not work. Annie, hey, they tried to do something different. They um, they had a black cast. They, they tried to uh, include a black audience that has not been um, used in musicals that often. They tried. You got to give them some credit. Cats did not try. Here's the thing about Cats, though, is they perfectly adapted it for what film is. Theater and film are not going to be handled the same way. If you do a straight adaptation, it's not going to work. Look at the last five years where that being adapted from stage to film, you've lost fundamentally everything you need from it. Cats understood how the change in medium would work for it, and it did. It's changed is talking to the talking to the audience structure and changed that way that way work in film. Talking about remaking Annie for a black audience, that doesn't really work when your lead character, uh, Will Stacks, wants to make New York great again and blames China for everything wrong in America. That is an actual plot line in the film and how they financially strong like, like a, a financial tycoon basically is running for a political position. You genuinely don't like him. His adopting of Annie is something purely for personal gain, and his evolution over the film isn't really that strong. You don't see him learn from his ways of like, oh, I did a bad thing, I'm learning. He's still a shitbag by the end of the film. He just has money, and you're like, oh, that means he's fine. And I'll, like, I also, if you're okay, I want to go back to like what I said at the beginning of like, the music is generally genuinely mixed, mixed horribly. Kwanjani Wallace is an okay scener. Fox is good. Cameron Diaz is mediocre to bad in a lot of her scenes, and a lot of that's because the sound mixing is bad. You go to a musical for its music and you can't, you can't even understand it. You can't hear it. It is done horribly. Um, I, I like the way that you think that. Uh, so you say, <laughs> you say uh, Cats, they, they adapted it from a Broadway play into theater uh, and they made it work. Well, Annie, they took from a movie, adapted it into another movie. Um, so... Spence, I'm uh, just me mesmerized by the hair. Uh, I will say, it is, I, I do it is very. Go, I do want to talk about like here's the thing about cats is like I want to go back to like talented singers. You have some like some really amazing singers. James Corden, even though he's not a great actor, he can still sing pretty well. His song, he sounds good. Um, the, like the Rum Tum Tugger song is genuinely good. Jason Derulo has a very good range, and Taylor Swift's song is maybe the best in the show. You, sh you, 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 you shat on her in her opening bit. I think her song is the best. Is it's best in the show as well as um, Skibble Shanks. Skibble Shanks, the Railway Cat, is one of the better numbers put to film in, in the 2010s. His ability to dance is incredible. And the actor who's singing it is genuinely talented. The, the thing with Cats, and what you're forgetting, is it's an assembly of really talented, incredible individuals. And Annie fundamentally doesn't have that. And we think, when you think there's some light in that film of, oh, maybe they have something going on, Will Gluck, the director, throws it all on the floor because he does not know what he's doing. Uh, I mean, no one knows what they're doing. Yeah, and I said, great casting cats, a lot of potential. They had a great moment singing, but when they were together, they had no chemistry. You didn't really want them to be together, which is the point of the movie is them being together. Uh, Will Stacks, yes, he's unlikable at the beginning of the film. Uh, most, uh, that's exactly the way Annie is at the beginning. You don't like 
the guy who adopts her, and he tries to uh, to be likable. It's a character arc. I realize it does not work, but again, they tried. Unlike in Cats. Time. Okay, Jacob, we're going to start with you. You get one minute to close your argument when you start talking. Uh, Tom Hooper is the the gentleman who directed Cats. Um, I don't know what else he did. Uh, but again, uh, this was supposed to be a big hit because it's a great uh, Broadway musical. I'm like, hey, let's do a cash grab. Let's throw it out. Let's change absolutely nothing, do the exact same thing. And it didn't work. In fact, the movie did not work so much that people are crying out for a cut of this film in which you can see the cat's buttholes because that will apparently make this movie better um annie hey you tried uh you brought in uh Quisenhain, i have no idea how to pronounce her name wallace little girl who wasn't in a lot i actually brought her into stardom which is amazing let's get new actors actors and actresses out in the world making money instead of all these people who we've seen time and time again. And I have five more seconds. Uh, Annie, not horrible. Cats. Time. All right. Spence, you now have one minute when you start talking. One of the last notes you made about Cats is how the cast doesn't really work together. I don't think they really fundamentally understand what the show is about. Cats is a series of vignettes where the characters are introducing themselves to the audience. And honestly, all of those work well. And you fundamentally understand all of the characters. Annie, you don't really understand anyone other than they're all genuinely unlikable and act for incredibly selfish needs. Kavonjani Wallace is an actor who was great in Beast of the Southern Wild and had a really promising career in the future, being in one of the most lauded films of the 2000s. And then it fundamentally, she disappeared because she was in Annie and it bombed and her career bombed because of, because the movie didn't know how to turn her into a talented actress. The change from Cats for a butthole cut probes, proves the audience that this film has behind it. Everyone genuinely wants to see more of Cats. Our midnight screen is going on pre-COVID because people were genuinely engaged and enraptured by what Cats was making. The fact that they want buttholes wants, that, want them to add to their experience because they want to watch it again. No one is coming back to Annie to watch it again because no one cares about Annie nowadays. I'll end there. Okay. All right. I don't know what it is about getting Jacob in here where we have to start talking about private parts all the time. But <laughs> buttholes this time. Everybody has buttholes. It's true. It's, it's true. Okay. <clears throat> uh, are we good, judges? And Brian was the one who brought up private parts last time him and I were That's true. Can't blame me for that one. That's true. It's a major plot point in the movie. Come on. They're on their backs. All right. I went with Spence. They were also. Um, I thought that Spence did a very good job of, uh, despite having some very trash takes, um, very well showed me that Katz is actually doing a lot of what is like, uh, as far as like adapting Katz into a movie, it's doing like things that, you know, make sense for that movie, whereas Annie is just a not doing anything right the whole time um and i thought the spence's takedown of just like the way that there's actually a following to cats and annie nobody remembers it nobody cares it destroyed the career of a up-and-coming young actress i thought that was a really good point so uh brian you go next um 
Well, Spence was going to have an uphill battle the entire way because Katz is the correct answer. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> there's, there, there's really no doubt. So, I mean, it was a matter of if they were able to make enough of an argument. Um, for me, it mostly came down to the free form where I think that uh, – I give it to Adelaide uh, – where I think uh, they basically controlled the whole free form section, um, a lot of it just from pure volume of information, uh, but not for lack of trying because whenever they paused to let Jacob talk, it was a lot of – he kind of looked like he was like deer in headlights a couple times, comments on the hair, awkward pauses. Uh, so I think just from the volume of, of argument we got from Spence, tipped it for me. Okay, Kirk, your vote doesn't count, but where would you have gone and why? You're muted. I also went with Spence. I think that um, Jacob conceded a few things that uh, as far as like the quality of the cast – uh, the Will Stacks character not working too much. I think Jake uh, expend, uh, conceded those things, and Spence was able to capitalize and uh, you know use that in their argument. So I think uh, that's why I went that way. Okay, so Spence wins point number one. We are going to move on to the next question, which was drafted by Jacob in the category of Star Wars. The question is, what? force-wielding character would be the worst to have as a teacher of the force. So again, what force-wielding character would be the worst to have as a teacher of the force? So uh, we are going to start with Jacob, who has one minute to open his argument. I had to really think on this one. Uh, not that hard. Grogu. Grogu can't talk. Grogu's not always... Ooh, 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 wait. Hang on. Even... Did we? I think we vetoed Grogu. Didn't I know we? it's part of my argument. It's part of my argument. Okay, sorry. Okay. I was like, uh, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Okay, I'll yeah. let you start over and do what okay. you want to do Thank and you. get you time over. Sorry, yeah. I was like, holy shit! Did I, did I fuck this up? No. Okay, you let me use Grogu as my answer. Okay, starting back. Uh, easy answer. Did not take that much time to think. Uh, the answer is Grogu. Grogu cannot talk. Therefore, who wait? Sores Bandium, that's the little kid that Anakin kills. Sores Bandium is a little child. Child Children cannot teach the ways... Ooh, I actually have the perfect answer. Uh, Tim, I'm sorry for saying multiple ones. I promise this is the canonical uh, answer. The rest were just legends. The correct answer is Rey. Uh, Rey Palpatine, Skywalker, uh, Solo, whatever she's calling herself nowadays, um, Rey is the correct answer. Uh, Ray's understanding of the Force is it is a mystical power that helps you move rocks. It's not the Force. In fact, everything she just said was incorrect. Uh, Ray is a thief. She stole the ancient Jedi text. You know what the uh, Force says about doing evil deeds, including stealing? Don't do that. Uh, Ray, massively untrained, therefore cannot teach. Time. Okay. I'll move over to Spence who has one minute when they start talking. If you want to talk about characters who do not know the Force, what better than a measly Padawan, uh, Ahsoka Tano, who uh, in all of the eligible material, she disobeyed, or, dis disobeyed orders, has no formal training, and shows little to no uh, competence in how to wield it. Every battle that she enters, she relies on other people's mastery of the forest too, when it and her time using it is small capabilities. 
not only does she fundamentally not know how to use the force, she fundamentally doesn't know how to learn about it or teach it or share it with individuals. She's a very selfish force wielder as well as one who d does not understand what she's doing. Therefore, I think that she is the worst kind of force teacher. End of time. Okay. Ending about 15 seconds early, uh, we have Ray versus Ahsoka. Five-minute freeform when one of you starts talking. Uh, so here's the great thing about Ahsoka, Spence, that you do not take into consideration. In the movie Star Wars The Clone Wars, uh, Ahsoka is a very young Padawan. Therefore, she has a lot of potential. Uh, Rey learns the Force at a very old age. In fact, most Jedi are not allowed to learn the Force at, uh, at that age because they have already developed these attachments, which is stuff that she cannot uh, get rid of to be able to move on in the future. And also, fun fact, uh, we've seen Ahsoka several times, uh, not just the movie, in TV shows and books, where she has honed her skills and actually become a very formidable uh, Jedi Master. Um, yeah, two go ahead and do the two yeah. things. Yeah, two two things. things about that. Number one, uh, you are commenting on Sokotano, oh, she matures later? That doesn't matter because I'm taking her in only eligible material, which is just Star Wars The Clone Wars, where again, she is terrible and you actively admitted that. So it helps me to thank you with that. Number two, uh, you were saying that Rey is uh, too old to learn the Force. You know who else was too old to learn the Force canonically as said in the films? Luke Skywalker, who is the king of Jedis, who led the Jedi movement and actually helped create them leading into the new trilogy. Just because you're too old to learn the Force doesn't mean you can't master it. Because again, Luke is maybe the greatest Force wielder of all time. He's at least up there. Rey still shows massive aptitude in the Force. She creates Force lightning. Yes, she is immature in the power of it. But she's not only like her being that powerful helps you tap into your abilities. And you're talking about how she's oh she at the end of the at the end of the series she goes off to mature and be a better wielder of the Force. Not quite a Jedi, but still. If you're talking raw in the film. Uh, Ahsoka is still worse. If we're talking even outside, like let's let's theorize about the future of the character. Ahsoka is still worse because Rey is one of the most powerful force builders of all time. Uh, can we take a quick pause? I... All right, sweet. Uh, so you're you're talking about um, oh, fuck, what's her name? Rey uh, being a very powerful force user. She's really not. Uh, in fact, her her biggest uh, acclaim. Uh, Calls to glory. Fuck, I can't think of words right now. Uh, yes, she uses force lightning in one moment where her anger is taking over her, uh, and she never is able to do it again. She doesn't understand why she's able to do it. Um, in her teaching, she has three days with Luke Skywalker where uh, immediately she uh, gets uh, is told, don't go near that pit. And what does she do? She goes towards the pit. Uh, she immediately um, does not listen to what she is being told. Uh, she has a lot of power. Yes, that is correct. But great power does not make a good teacher. Uh, whereas Ahsoka, yeah, she's a child, but she has potential. Uh, she has a fantastic teacher, and not only Anakin Skywalker, but also Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, we see her use uh, some brains uh, in the Clone Wars. She's able to actually go out, help uh, Jabba stun, uh, keep him safe. We don't really see Ray do a lot on her own. We see her with a group of people never really doing great stuff on her own. In fact, uh, also another cool thing she does is the Force Skype. Uh, I don't know the correct terminology of it, which we actually learn is something that she had no control over because she was not the one doing any of it. It was, in fact, Snoke 
and then Palpatine. One minute. Here's the thing. You're just uh, so number one, Ray's power, powerful abilities with the Force Lightning. You're forgetting that she also she is she matches Kylo Ren's power, who is also one of the strongest Force wielders. If we're, if we're to compare powers, he's able to stop a blaster bolt, which is let's say let's move at the speed of light because that's how fast light like plasma and everything moves. That's One's fucking out. incredible that she's able to freeze that. On top of that, you're talking about how Ahsoka has great potential in all of this. When in her in her in her thing to rescue Stinky, not only is that with Anakin, she rarely uses the Force. So just because she's able to accomplish a mission doesn't mean that she's a strong or even capable Force user. Rey is also connected to every single Jedi of the past. In her in her, in her conquering of Palpatine, one of the strongest characters in the Star Wars universe. She calls upon the power of all the Jedi who come to speak to her. You think they can't speak to her and help you to help teach you a lesson? They can, that through decades and centuries of teaching, they can't help you through her. There's so much potential as a teacher through ages of teaching. Okay. Uh, Spence, you are going to need to close first. You have one minute when you start talking. If we're going by only eligible material, I think Ahsoka Tano is one of the most inexperienced Force users. And while she has a teaching through Anakin and Obi-Wan, one of those people went on to control the control the galaxy and be a general, generally horrible, horrible person. And Obi-Wan Kenobi gave up the ways of the Force. Those are two people already who you don't want leading you. And that passed down through someone who genuinely, who does not care about fundamentals or teaching or the betterment of other people is a bad teacher. Ray is someone who was inexperienced because of the way that she was brought up, but actively sought out a way to be better. A lot of her ways are reflected like in her resistance to teaching a la Luke, Luke to Yoda, you see all this potential to be a better person on potential. Ray is still someone who wants to be better and wants to make people better, which is why she gives up the Jedi ways because she, she sees how flaws it is. Ahsoka is someone who on potential genuinely doesn't care about you and would not care about you if you were her student. On actual visible material, Ahsoka has basically no uh, fundamentals in the Force and is a very strong Force user. Rey has fundamentals through Luke Skywalker as well as being incredibly powerful. She is better in every single way than Ahsoka. Time. Okay. Bring in Jacob for his one-minute closing. Uh, Kylo Ren stops the blaster bolt with the Force once, and then Rey uh, gets lucky in beating him. In fact, Kylo says it multiple times that she got lucky. She says it herself she got lucky. She never shows decent use of uh, lightsaber fighting. Uh, and yeah, uh, Daisy, uh, Daisy, wow. Um, Ray, with three days teaching from, uh, of teachings from Luke Skywalker, learned absolutely nothing. Uh, she is very powerful, but she does not know how to control that power. She was able to talk to all the Jedi once. We no don't know if she can do that again or if they would be willing to talk to her again. Uh, because she is in fact Palpatine. Ahsoka. Uh, okay, I can't use any of the books where, be where she becomes a great Jedi, where she uh, defeats uh, or she uh, pures a Kyra crystal, which is an amazing uh, thing that I can't talk about, or the TV shows, amazing thing. But she's young. She has a lot of potential. I would love to learn from her when she has left. Okay. okay. Bring in the judges. Kirk, we're going to start with you. All right. Um, this is tough, and I don't blame uh, the competitors here because negative questions are always hard. 
but I think we got a little off the track. Like I didn't hear a lot from anybody about why specifically they'd be a good or bad teacher. Got to a lot about who was more powerful, who had more experience, things like that. But we didn't talk a lot about teaching. Um, what broke the tie for me in the closing was one thing one person said. Um, Spence brought up the fact that uh, Ahsoka's uh, basically lineage in the Force is uh, Anakin and Obi Wan, who are basically both failed Jedi, who you know were not you know, people you'd want to teach anyway. So that was, I, I was kind of in the middle. So I needed something. I, that was something I really latched on to. Uh, Jake didn't, uh, Jacob didn't really counter that. So I was Spence. Okay. Um, <clears throat> no, I, I agree with Kirk. This, this turned into like, who is the most powerful, who isn't type thing. Uh, that was a good point. Kirk just made about the Anakin and Obi-Wan thing. I didn't pick up on that. Uh, but uh, I actually went with Jacob. I thought that Jacob uh, very clearly explained to me why Ray was a horrible student and has no interest in like everything she's done has been through luck and even her force wielding abilities that she does have uh, all came basically by accident. Uh, And so that worked. And um, I thought that he made a couple good points about like in the clone wars movie ahsoka shows a lot of promise and is is good at being an apprentice in that movie so uh brian where are you going um you know in this one i think it was actually uh jacob that had the uphill battle uh mainly because uh of the fact that because all of this other material the books and the tv shows or whatever else she's appeared in that is not admissible into this debate um, and then even in his own closing, he tried to throw in some things in there and say, here's some stuff, but I can't talk about it. Um, so having to ignore all of that material that tried to be bring up, um, it really came down to what they said about what exists. And I think that what Spence said, uh, arguing against uh, Ahsoka being a good teacher and how, but judging just by how she is in the Clone Wars movie, um, I need to give it to Spence. Okay, so Spence goes up to to nothing uh but we are going to get into the next question which was drafted <coughs> by spence in the category of dreamworks dreamworks animation the question is what dreamworks animated movie is the most fun to watch with a group so uh we're going to start with spence you have one minute when you start talking if we want to talk about a movie that's fun I think it's a movie that accomplishes something for every audience. Uh, really funny, great action scenes, maybe some musical numbers, characters you always want to come back to, not just because they're fun to watch, but also because they're something you connect yourself to. And that's why I want to pick Shrek 2. Uh, the sequel that is better than the original, I think that this is a film that sort of masters the idea of what if a film can actually be for everyone and everyone can love it? Because it has some of the best jokes of any of any 2000s comedy, not even just animated. I think the evolution of Shrek and Fiona as characters is great. Donkey comes back. I love his relationship with Dragon. And I think Fairy Godmother and Prince Charming are some of the greatest antagonists to ever be in any animated film ever. ever. And beyond that, Holding Out for a Hero is one of the best covers ever, not just in film, in music, period. Everything in this film is top notch, and it hasn't really been topped by DreamWorks since other than How to Treat Dragon, but that's beside the point. Uh, I think this is just a really incredible film that masters everything it's trying to do. Okay. Uh, we'll bring in Jacob for his one-minute opening. Have you ever watched a movie? It was like, man, that's a great movie. And then you have a friend say, 
hey, did you notice that part of the movie? Oh, no, I didn't notice that part. And then another friend, hey, did you get that joke? No, I didn't get that joke. Or, hey, did you see this little reference? No, I didn't see it. I need to rewatch this movie. And so you rewatch it, and then you catch all those little fun things. And it makes the movie a lot better. Yeah, I have. It's actually most everything I do. Um, but the movie that is best watching a group is the movie with a lot more uh, little jokes, funny references, parodies, um, little inside uh, things that you don't quite catch the first time or even the second time. But somebody else caught it, and they'll tell you is actually the first film, uh, the better film from what Spence just brought up. I'm talking about the original Shrek. Um, and the reason why it's better with the group is because, hey, there are all these little animated characters uh, that you might not see every single time. But hey, your friend did. Your friend will let you know. Fine. Okay. Shrek v. Shrek 2. Uh, five minute freeform when one of you starts talking. I'm going to start off with a really fun part. Uh, Shrek isn't even the best adaptation of Shrek. Uh, Shrek the Musical is absolutely incredible, adds a lot of great songs, and makes every character better and more well-rounded. I think if you're going to think, oh, what's, what's fun to watch with a group? Showing something to someone who they're not familiar with, especially Shrek the Musical being something like an adaptation of a great source material, I think would attract them more versus the same movie they've watched a thousand times growing up. And honestly, it's a little old. Like, it doesn't hit the way, the way it used to. Shrek 2 still hits really well. Well, I only watched it 800 times growing up, so I still have 200 more before I get tired of it. Uh, so I can't wait. Um, hey, did you know that in Lord Farquaad's castle, uh, there's a bear rug uh, on, in right beside his bed with a little bow because it's Mother Bear because he kills Mother Bear. Nobody knew this until last year. A guy on TikTok, because that's a thing, pointed it out. Again, a little reference you did not know while watching the film Shrek, unless you watched it in a group when someone else caught that moment. Uh, the Shrek two out of my own. Yeah, good for you. You're the one and only five people. Yeah. Uh, Shrek 2, yeah, it is a fun movie. But what enjoyment do you get out of it watching with three friends that you don't that you don't get while watching it by yourself? Uh, as a musical fan, there is nothing more joyous than fan people coming together and hitting every single note and holding out for a hero. Awesome. Also, Live, uh, Live in La Vida Loca in the, in the end credits is incredibly fun. You also, I think Puss in Boots is one of the most quotable characters in the movie ever, period. I think everything he says is pretty much iconic. Uh, Pinocchio is in a fucking thong. That's a great joke. The cop's yeah, parody is great. Um, when they go to the bar and you're able to see all these different, like, because you see how in the first film, all these all these characters are, like, going out to be arrested by Farquaad's lackeys or whatever a lot of the ones you don't see you're like i mean i'm sure there they're in the bar they're in the bar where you see uh prince charming go to and seeing how seeing how the universe gets to be expanded is so rewarding and rich and it's so interesting to see how everything can be built upon more because you think shrek's like a oh it's a one-off it's a fun kind of thing but no this is a massive universe that as the franchise goes on you're more and more invested in how the storytelling can evolve uh so you brought up the musical number in shrek 2 uh, fun fact, Shrek has an entire karaoke section at the end of the film. I don't know about you, but I have a whole lot of fun singing every song. It's like seven songs, uh, singing those with my friends. And there's even, you can start singing one song and they start singing the other. You do your different voices uh, because they bring in every little character, which again, you miss some on first rewatch. So I have more musical numbers than yours. Uh, you talk about getting to see these characters uh, kind of expand from what happens in Shrek. Well, you see them in Shrek, uh, you get to see how they get torn out of their houses and how they have to adapt 
right then and there. Again, another great scene. Uh, in fact, whenever Shrek opens the door uh, from his swamp and sees all these characters, it's better in there than it is in Shrek 2 because, oh, you get to see them at a bar, someplace you never see them. You get to see them at a swamp in Shrek, another place you wouldn't see. And again, I miss so many. Oh, hey, I didn't notice that person way back there. And Pinocchio in a thong. Who cares about Pinocchio in a thong? Uh, I don't like my cartoons overly sexualized and seeing a beloved wooden doll in uh, revealing underwear. Not not great. Here, here's the problem you're pointing out is a lot of your enjoyment from this film is pointing out, oh, that's a thing I know, which isn't really what Shrek 2 is made for. It's, oh, that's the thing I know. And they add a joke to it. Every character in the film is adding to the rich storytelling. Again, a lot of those patrons in the bar have their own jokes about how you get to know them and their prior backstory. Pinocchio and a thong is breaking your expectations of, oh, it's a fun kids movie. Your oh, Pinocchio is just like, has a thing. and he says, hey, tell a lie. I mean, when was underwear? Why didn't your nose get bigger? That There's a joke beyond that. What you're saying is your film is basically equating to, that's a thing One which minute. isn't really fun. If you want to have a good time watching a movie, you shouldn't be putting that much effort into trying to make yourself laugh. The movie should be doing it for you. And that's what Shrek does. It is 90 minutes of nonstop jokes. And when it's not jokes, it is banger songs, incredible characters. And mind you, the credits here are so much fun. I think that karaoke is just a thing. It's like, hey, do you want to sing? No. Because like singing is awkward, people are scared of it. When there's a backing track and someone else is singing for you, that's a hell of a lot of fun. Versus like, if I'm just like, hey, I know you're here. How about you sing? Do the work for me. <laughs> you're. I do not understand the argument you just said because in track two, she sings holding out for a hero, and then there's the song at the end, which is the exact same in Trek. There's a karaoke part where they are singing and you are paying attention to it. You have the choice. Do you want to sing or not? Yes, I'm taking the choice to sing. Exactly just like what you just said in Shrek 2. I'm going to make the choice not to karaoke. sing to holding out on a hero. It's Shrek Time. karaoke. All right. Um, Jacob, you get to close first. You have one minute. Uh, Donkey opens up immediately. It's Shrek karaoke, guys. They don't have the words unless you got the sing-along-with-me version, which they do with several other songs, which, again... Doing that with friends is amazing. Uh, you get to make the actual choice. Hey, I am sitting watching this film, watching these animated characters have the time of their lives singing all these random ass songs. Hey, I'm going to join with them. You get the enjoyment in both films, like you just said, uh, Spent. You, you get it more in mine. Um, again, the one great thing about comedy is whenever there are those little subtle jokes that you not only don't hear, but don't understand because you're either too young um, or you didn't fully hear it. Um, and then you're able to, to rewatch or someone points it out and then you get the full enjoyment out of, it's not saying I'm not paying attention to this movie. And that is why I don't get the enjoyment out of it. It's that, Hey, there's a lot of these coming at you. You're going to catch eight of them, but here are these two little gems that you will catch later. Uh, Shrek is amazing. Watch it with friends. Time. All right. We are going to move over to Spence who has one minute when they start talking. I stand by a big flaw. You find a big flaw you find in Shrek is, is the repetitiveness of it. Not only in it was parodying basically everything that came before, but everything also everything that came after it parodies that itself. It makes for like an unrewarding experience because you're pointing out it's like, oh, I know a thing. It doesn't make a viewing experience really fun. However, Shrek Two is something that still feels fresh a lot of the time. It's things that we didn't like, didn't even get to in this argument. The dinner scene where Shrek meets Fiona's parents. Fucking Mongo, giant gingerbread man. Uh, Donkey saying, "Are we there yet?" As you're reaching far, far away. Accidentally in love is one of the best songs written for a movie ever. Period. End of statement. And there's all these things in my argument that we didn't have time to get to. 
Shrek is a film that like we you didn't add anything to it. It's a lot of your arguments just going back to the same scene, the same scene, the same scene. You weren't adding to it. Shrek is one dimensional. I'm telling you, there are better versions of Shrek out there. Shrek the musical is fucking incredible. Shrek 2, nothing can match it. Nothing's tried to match it because they know that you cannot touch perfection. Dreamworks even acknowledge they know that this is the best thing they've ever made and they've tried and tried and tried. Shrek the third, Shrek or after, trying to capture the magic, but it doesn't work. Shrek 2 is more magical than Shrek the first. Pens down, pens down. I don't fucking know. Uh, <laughs> time's up, is what I should have said. <laughs> Should I even bring them on, gentlemen? I, I guess I will, but I like being included. You don't like Shrek? <laughs> I, I I did not like those arguments. Uh, okay, let's think about this. I also don't know what to vote. Uh, vote for the person who argued better that their movie is better to watch with a group than by themselves. Well, we didn't get that argument. So, uh, okay. So, I didn't, uh, three times? Oh. <laughs> I didn't go to Spencer to making that argument. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I think Brian goes first. Uh, yeah, I want to go first so bad, but I'll let Brian go. <laughs> if I could give no points, I would. Uh, neither argument had anything to do with the topic. Um, neither one was about how it's fun. I, I heard a lot of the story and the characters and funny moments. I heard about some pointing out some Easter eggs. There's like a list of Easter eggs. And then I heard something about singing karaoke, uh, which I'm not aware that large groups of people sit and watch movies and sing karaoke with it together. Um, anyway, so I didn't see a lot of the argument for it. Um, I ended up just going with Jacob. Um, because at least I can see the value in watching it with friends and maybe, you know, pointing out things the other person didn't notice, which might increase your enjoyment of it somewhat. Uh, but honestly, I will say it was a toss up. Kirk. Uh, yeah, this argument was pretty devoid of, you know, the actual point. I heard a lot of arguments about, um, you know, the, the value of the movies themselves. Um, uh, but I also went with Jacob. I love when they call me big Papa West, um, because, even though I don't think Jacob necessarily gave good reasons to watch it with a group, I think he gave more reasons. Um, I, uh, Spence got stuck a lot of the quality of the movies, a lot about Shrek the Musical. Um, Jacob did have reasons to watch it with a with a group, um, and when he challenged Spence uh, as to what was made his better, Spence said the music, and Jacob came right back with with the music it is. So um, I think if we had to pull a winner on this one, it's definitely Jacob. I just want to add one more thing to mine. Um, with uh, Spence in his closing argument, talked about we didn't even get to talk about this, 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 and this. Yeah. Like, you should have used that time to talk about that. That time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, fair points made by both. I went with Spence. I agree. I think it could have been whatever. Spence's opening is the thing I clinged on to the longest, where they said like, there is so much in Trek Two for everybody to love. Um whether it's like adult humor, kid stuff, music, blah, blah, blah. I also am a weirdo and, uh, you know, run fandom fights and can tell you the uh, karaoke Shrek thing at Shrek 1 is a bonus feature. It is not Fuck. part of the actual movie. Oh, um, I didn't take that against Jacob because it was never brought up. 
but yeah, not part of the actual movie on the VHS. I believe it was at the end with the credits, but the theatrical version of the movie that is used in trivia. I remember uh, singing those songs is, in the theater. Oh, I, I did. Really? Well, I think they did a re-release with it, but yeah. No. Also, any discussion of Shrek the Musical had to be ignored because that's no more movie than Hamilton is. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. But anyway, this was a toss-up. I agree. So, uh, but Jacob gets on the board. It's two to one. So we're going to move on to the next prep question, which is in the category of sports. Uh, the question is, who is the best character in a sports comedy? So best character in a sports comedy. Jacob, you're going to kick this one off. You have one minute when you start talking. Uh, so, Tim, you really look bored at the end of that argument. Uh, you're not into sports. So you're going to be really bored uh, with this one. because I'm going to talk a lot about sports. I'm sorry. It's going to happen. NFL draft just happened. Uh, we saw a lot of uh, players who played in college have great potential get drafted by teams to hopefully become professional athletes. Uh, best character in a sports film, uh, just like this, uh, had a great college career. Um, it ended badly for him, and because of that, he was not able to play professionally. But because of a uh, player strike, he gets his chance. I'm talking about Shane Falco, uh, Ohio State quarterback, um, who got destroyed in the Sugar Bowl uh, when he was playing, uh, but gets a chance uh, to play for the Washington Senators or Sentinels Senators. Uh, down on his luck player, nobody believes in him. Hey, I'm going to take your non-belief, and I'm going to take this team of nobodies to the playoffs. Time. Okay, bring in Spence. One minute when you start talking. I would like to cite one of the greatest, I won't say it again, one of, one of the most interesting stories uh, in sports ever told. It's the real story. Uh, one of uh, Tanya Harding, who was one of the most talented uh, skaters in her time and finally got a chance to go to the Olympics. And what happens? She made the worst decision possible. And in the journey of telling uh, the story of a real human being, you have to, you have to maybe not empathize with them, but like understand how they got there. And I think Tanya Harding and I, Tanya is a great way of showing that is it a character that you never really fully empathize with. You never really, he's like, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to see her succeed. That's, that is the gift of great writing is you see fully how she got there. The evolution of her character from childhood to making these decisions, to even after you see her whole art. And at the end of the day, a great character is one who changes over time and, and you see how they get to their final points. I think that, Ta that Tanya Harding in this film was one of the greatest characters in any sports film ever written, let alone comedies. And I think that so many little bits of her performance and writing add to the overall richness of the narrative in the film. Okay. All right, five minute freeform. When one of you starts talking. Scott, I'll go ahead and let you start this. I think your opening argument argues more in favor of plot than character. I didn't hear a lot about how Shane Falco is a good character. But at the end of the day, I think he's sort of a shitty character. I think he's a guy who uh, is a scab. He's anti-union and basically is taking advantage of these better players who better than him in the sport and also just better humans overall are saying, well, you need better rights. And he says, I don't care about you. I want to be personally successful. And that's not someone who I want to see get rewarded in the film. It's not a character who I think even as in terms of like evolution of the character, doesn't really learn from his mistakes of that. He's just like, whatever, I got to play sports. Uh, so fun fact, the player strike is because these players who are 
hated people. Uh, they are jerks to the. I love how you say the scabs because they refer to the replacements as the scabs. Um, they they're wanting to make more money in an area where they're already making a lucrative amount of money. Anytime there's a player holdout, a strike, just like with the Major League Baseball strike that happened earlier. Uh, a lot of people hate the players because they want more money when you are making millions and millions of dollars uh, doing something that you love. Shane Falco, guy whose destiny really was not in his control. He had a great career in college. I'm repeating myself, but who cares? Uh, was never given that opportunity. And yes, he took an opportunity and he ran with it. You see where he's just he, he starts out as, hey, I'm just the replacement quarterback. I'm going to get cut at the end. Uh, I have no hope of anything. Why even bother? You see him fall in love uh, with the cheerleader. You see that team grow. You see him grow and become a leader around them uh, in the fight scene at the bar. While they're in jail, he gets that team around him. And the entire time uh, they're playing towards the end when they are starting to make a run, it is his character that is leading the team. It is his character uh, that is making that team want to play, even though none of them will play when it comes to the playoffs. Tanya Harding, hey, we hate her. She cheated. She physically hurt somebody else. We're going to make a movie and say it really wasn't her. Guess what? She did figure skating as a child. She ended up doing it in real life. I really don't care. You can tell me the story as many times as you want to tell me. The movie's okay. It doesn't make me love her character more. Okay, so you don't need to love her character. You need to, you need to understand that how she got there. And that's my issue with Shane Falco is a character who, like, his motivation is, oh, I want money is what you're holding against these players who left and quit. They, you, don't, you don't know that person. Maybe they wanted more money to cover the health benefits of football because it's a very dangerous sport. And they, they want to be compensated for the danger they're putting on their bodies. I, I, I think at this point, we're not going to hold it against someone say, I want more money for the work I'm at. We're, in the, we're at, that, at that point in the world right now. The thing about Tanya Harding that you're fundamentally misunderstanding is just because she's a bad character and you're not interested to see her be better, that's not the point of her journey. You see how she got there and how people like her and get to that point of desperation, of, je of desperately trying to be a better person to succeed, but everyone is fighting against her. You see all of her peers around her holding, holding back against her because she doesn't come from money, because she's less refined and she's not prim and proper. And you see, and you see that break out of her, not only in competition, but in the, the, the pivotal mirror scene where you see every single emotion from childhood to now of trying to be better and it failing and her trying to hold it all in. It's a character who you understand what is going on in her head every single time. Shane Falco isn't even the best Keanu Reeves football character. Johnny Utah is a more understandable, relatable journey than Shane Falco. What there do you cling to? What there do you see? I want him to be better. Uh, so the, in the movie, it is said that they want more money because they want more money. Uh, you can argue, in, it will in real life, they want health care. They already have great insurance. They have a, do, a whole team of doctors around them making sure that they are safe, making sure the sport is better. Uh, in the movie, they are greedy and want more money. Uh, Shane Falco never uh, does not start out as well. I just want money. Uh, he's like, hey, I know I wasn't given this opportunity. I'm not going to ruin it. And that's why you fall in love with Shane Falco. Hey, we all had potential in 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 high school. Me, I could have been somebody. I didn't. But you know what? If I'm given another chance, I'm not going to squander it. And that is Shane Falco to a T. 
Shane Falco's arc is also one you've seen over a thousand other films. Cody Maverick in Surf's Up is a better iteration of that character than what you're offering because at the end of the day, his journey is not one that you cling to as something wholly unique. You cling to it because of the plot of the film, which is what you're arguing. You're saying, I like this character because of what happens in the movie, not because of the character himself. Nothing that Shane Falco does is inherently pivotal to what's going on or changes how other people perceive what the actions of the film. At the end of the day, just because you're saying, oh, the other players want money doesn't mean it's not going on something privately there. Shane Falco is someone who's just taking advantage of a situation, and that is it. Time. All right, Spence, you get to close first. You have one minute when you start talking. I think in an argument for best character, it needs to be founded by a character, not a film based around them. I, Tanya, while being an incredible film, is driven centrally by Tanya Harding as a character. She is someone who is changed enough since real life that you can feel sort of a unique journey through her, that you can see through the narration of the film, through the, the mirroring that I already mentioned, through her actions at skating, she is someone who is fully realized. Every single aspect of that performance and of, that, of, the, of the character as it is written is thought through, and every action is motivated. Shane Falco is a one-note character who exists in every other pre-existing sports film and someone that doesn't add to filmmaking or storytelling as a whole. He's not someone that you're able to cling to as a unique journey. There were a thousand other films that Jacob could have picked for this exact argument, and he picked a replacement because he likes it more. To me, that is not a good debate. A good debate is saying, what makes this unique or what makes you want to cling back and say, this is the special example? The replacement doesn't have any of that. It is a, it is a generic film that is done over many, 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 many times. This is not the same argument. I'm arguing a character. He's arguing a film. Time. Okay. Over to Jacob, who has one minute to close when he starts talking. Uh, I'm 100% arguing a character because I could be like, well, the kicker, uh, because he takes advantage of a situation, but he has a gambling addiction uh, and he's not a better person at the end of the movie. Uh, or the uh, lineman, the Asian guy who eats an egg. Uh, I mean, hey. Tanya Harding, through great writing in this movie, you get to see a character arc out of her. In every movie, you see a character development. Uh, the better character is someone you can relate to. Uh, I can't relate to uh, someone who spent hours upon hours upon hours uh, being forced to work something. Uh, make it, and then when someone's better than you, you're going to cry and have somebody uh, physically harm that person. I can't relate to that. I'm sorry, but I can relate to, hey, uh, life didn't go the way you wanted to. Um, but you know what? doesn't matter. You can, you can, uh, make your own, uh, goals in life and Hey, you get a second chance. We're going to let you capitalize on it. Happens a lot, but Shane Falk is the most memorable. Best. Um, okay. We good? Yes. Um, I'm not going to lie. A big thing for me was while I eventually was told what movie Jacob was talking about, I did not know what movie Jacob was talking about until Spence said the name of the movie in their closing. I've never seen The Replacements. I did not know that what the movie was, what that's what the movie was because it was never said. That's a big thing for me. Uh, but even taking that aside, this was weird. Um, we spent a lot of time on the replacements and not a ton of time on Tanya. But I think that Spence did a good enough job of explaining to me why the character of Tanya is 
while maybe not best in the sense of like a good person is the best fleshed out character getting a whole story i went with spence um so brian where are you going uh i think a lot of this debate came down to their interpretation of the word best yeah uh like best character being like who's the best person versus bestest and who's the best most well-rounded like created as a character in the movie um, so it's kind of like two different arguments, like with, with uh, Shane Falco, where you're hearing like why he's a good guy, everybody else is greedy, but he's not. Um, but honestly, I think that Spence made the better case uh, for why Tanya is the better character, because there's a journey there. There's uh, you see, you learn and understand the motivation between behind why the way she is and things like that, the whole character arc. And so I think that became the better character argument. Okay, Kirk, uh, your vote doesn't come, but where would you have gone in life? I actually went with Jacob on this. Um, I think uh, Spence leaned too hard into the, well, they're on strike and anti-union and all this, and Jacob just shut it down saying, well, in the movie, they're just greedy jerks. And he was able to turn that around because Spence's movie is about a real person, and he was able to talk about how that person was a bad person in real life. So that's what uh, gave to Jacob for me. Okay, well, despite that, your winner is adelaide spence uh we are gonna start by talking to jacob jacob great match you played really well you split the vote uh three times winning one of the points uh not an easy thing to do and uh you did it how are you feeling i did it uh it was great the the last two questions every time you brought everybody in is the three of you on top just literally looking down on us, uh, both literally and figuratively. It did make me a little disappointed. Um, but hey, that's what happens when you're judged by successful people. Um, so Jacob, uh, if you if you were to come back, if you want to come back, we'd love to have you back. Who would you want to play next? Uh, I love being included in the things. Uh, so if you find it in your heart to include me in something, um, that would be great. Uh, as far as who I would want to be included uh, along with, it really doesn't matter. Uh, I'm here for comedic relief. So even if you put me um, up against Kirk whenever he loses his belt as a, hey, Kirk, you need to get an easy win. So we're going to throw you up against Jacob. I'm going to make him laugh. And that's what I'm here for. I love that attitude. That's a good attitude to have. Jacob, great job today. We'll see you soon. Let's bring in the winner, Spence. Spence, you got very excited there at the end. Was it because of sports or was it because of the win? That was, I was praying this was going to be a knockout because I hate sports. And uh, because I wasn't very comfortable with Jacob's film. Like, I wasn't very familiar with it. So I was terrified of losing that question. And last time I went to sudden death, I actually didn't go to sudden death. I lost like this last time. So I just didn't feel good about the question. So me winning on it was like a big thing. Yeah. So, uh, Spence, you now got the win in your record. You're one and one. Who do you want next? Someone who doesn't talk. Is that an option? Mm. Uh, I I could be better. So playing someone worse than me is always the the hope. Uh, and hope and maybe over time I'll play I'll play someone who's better than me and might be able to win. Probably not now though. Well, how about I tell you who you're oh, going to play next? You're going to be playing the winner of. Ryan O'Regan and Joe Fairley. British guy. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've beaten the British a few times. I can do it again. It's fine. Okay. Fair enough. So, Spence, congrats on the win. Uh, 
Kirk, let's get final thoughts from you. Yeah, I mean, that was there, – there, there are some rough patches there. Um, I think Jacob definitely needs to work on his confidence and just, you know, um, you know, believe in what he has to say. Um, I think they both need to, you know, work on, you know, focus and getting the, you know, making sure they're arguing what is, uh, uh, you know, what's actually the question. But I think the bare, bare bones is uh, there for both when they put the work and I think they can have some success. And Brian, final thoughts from you. Uh, yeah, I agree with Kirk. I think, I think that uh, Jacob could, could be a lot, be a strong debater if he gets more confidence, because I mean, debate is all about bullshitting. So even if you have the worst answer, even if you don't have the correct answer, you got to talk about it. You got to drive the points home. You got to make the judges believe it. And even with the worst answer, you can win. Um, still, I mean, it was fun. The first two, the first two are pretty good. That third one was rough. Uh, and then the last one, like I said, it just came down to people interpret the question differently. And But uh, yeah, it was all right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today at Fan Zone Debate. Thank you to Brian and Kirk for judging this one. Thank you to Spence and Jacob for playing. Uh, Ivan, Tim, we will see you real soon with the next match. Until then. Thank you. Have a good night. There we go. Thank you very much. Please come again. We have a lot more groceries.